Talking Leafs podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Nick D'Souza and Kevin Papetti. Welcome to the Everything Leaves Podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti here with Nick D'Souza. As always, we have a pre-free agency podcast here, but first we got to start with the breaking news. The Matt Murray to Toronto trade uh, just came down about about 20 minutes ago with the Leafs getting Murray for 25% retention, a third, and a seventh. Nick, initial thoughts on the move? Well, I think we've had a lot of time to think about this. The rumors have been going about Murray to Toronto for about a couple of days now, if not longer. And... It seems like it's been really close for the last couple hours. So finally we get the details. I mean, Kevin, it's pretty underwhelming. I think that's pretty unanimous across the board, uh, especially when you consider some of the rumors that were out there that Buffalo was about to get like a pretty high pick for taking on Murray's contract. Um, I think a lot of people, including myself, expected the retention to be a lot better. I expected them to at least get 50%. And I know you were alluding to a third team being there to also take a bit of that cap off. So a 25% return isn't ideal. Um, he's going to be, I think it's 4.87 for next year. So, you know, I think Murray, in, in as a goalie in a vacuum, I, I think he's got a pretty good chance to have a good season next year. You know, you saw how he played last year. He didn't really play too much, uh, but he was very good in the games that he did play. So I think if he's healthy, I think that's going to be the big the big key. If he's healthy, I think he'll be good for the Leafs. But that cap hit is going to hurt. So um, it's it's definitely it's it's going to be an interesting couple of days, Kevin. Yeah. So I guess I'll start by saying I think I'm higher on Matt Murray than most. Um, but having said that, I did expect the cap hit to come in lower. So. Uh, as you alluded to, Nick, that trade at the draft where Buffalo was was getting Murray at 25%, but then swapping the 7th pick for the 16th pick, that value from 7th to 16 is more of like an early 2nd, I would think. And the Leafs got a 3rd and a 7th, which is a little bit underwhelming. I think I would have at least liked a 2nd instead of the 3rd uh, in that deal, or more retention. Um, I was thinking that the Leafs, given that they're a contender, wouldn't want the picks. Like, they would just flip the picks. Um, and, uh, like, to a third team, for example, and get more retention. Uh, they could still do that in a way. Like, they could still trade a third-round pick and a seventh-round pick and get some extra retention in another deal. It would kind of work out like you got it on Murray. There is creative ways to kind of work around that. Uh, but... Murray, I was expecting, you know, closer to the 50% retention, closer to the 3.1. I do think he has some upside. Uh, I'll kind of get into him as a player um, a little bit later here. But I think we're both in agreement that uh, it seemed to be a little bit... I'm not as over the moon about it. Like, I see my timeline as, but I don't think it was a good trade. Like, I, 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 I do think that it was a bit of an overpay from the Leafs, but... I don't think it's like the worst trade of all time either, which is which is kind of the attitude you see right now from for most Leafs fans. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I, I think the yeah my my timeline definitely looks very very similar right now. Um, I don't really blame the people that are 
you know, I think sometimes when goalies are on a bad team, especially a team like Ottawa, that's been a bit of a bit of a joke the last couple of years that, you know, Murray's kind of had and with his injuries and, and the contract he was given, he was he was kind of set up for failure over there. So, you know, I, I definitely understand the narrative that's kind of around Murray. But when you look at the numbers, especially last year, he was fine. I thought he was good. The big thing's going to be health, Kevin. Like, I think that's kind of the big thing is is if he can stay healthy, then, you know, I think he's got a pretty good shot for being good. I do. I don't mind the term here. Like it's it's only two years. I understand that Mrazek was also two years left of his contract, but I think Murray definitely has you know a better chance of being good in comparison to uh, to Mrazek there. So yeah, it's 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 still such a fresh deal. I think when we see later in the week how the Leafs do in free agency, I think that's going to be really big. Obviously, they have Engvall to sign. They have Sandine to sign. Um, so they're going to have to really try to go back to that bargain bin and try to find a few uh, few value picks that they can get. I know we're going to get into that later in the podcast, but, um, you know, I, I guess we can start off like this. Like, like Kevin, do you would you be confident in a, a Shalgren and Murray tandem, or are you thinking that they gotta gotta look for another backup at least? Oh, they're gonna get another goalie. I don't think there's. I'd be shocked if they went with Murray Shalgren. Um, I think so too. I, I, I'm not gonna get outraged about that unless that's the the team. Like I, I'm pretty confident they're gonna go and get another goalie. Uh, let's put it that way. Um, in terms of Murray. I'll, I'll give a bit of the sales pitch on him because I feel like I don't really need to give the negatives here. I think everyone's kind of aware of the negatives here. Uh, I think this... I, I kind of talked myself into Murray as a good 1B option. Um, I, at first, I remember, like, I, I wrote an article about the, the free agent and, and trade options on the goalie market. And at first, I wasn't overly intrigued by Murray. I, I saw the numbers, 899 uh, last year in Pittsburgh, 8... 93 in uh, in Ottawa in his first year there and then in 906 last year and nothing really jumped off out the page like jumped off the page to me like that like I didn't understand why the Leafs would want him um I guess the pitch is like you look at his overall track record like even with those down years he's at a 911 save percentage uh and over you know almost 250 career games when you add the playoffs in there he'd be even better um and at some point, you're kind of saying, okay, well, like, what happened to him at the age of 26? Like, did he just forget how to play goalie? Did he go from being a really good number one to all of a sudden forgetting how to play hockey? And you look at what he did in the new year, right? So he he's kind of had the, a, a season from hell last year where he started off with an injury, and then he ended up getting COVID really, really badly. Uh, I think he actually lost quite a bit of weight. Comes back. First game back, plays poorly, gets sent to the AHL, comes back up. First game against the Leafs, doesn't go great. And then from mid-January to the end of February, he was arguably the best goalie in hockey. Like, he was up there. Like, I, you'd, have, you'd have him up there with, like, Shesterkin. I, I don't know who was exactly amazing in those two months. Like, I don't have the full list. But he was, like, outstanding. Not just good, but outstanding. And then he has two bad games at the end of the year. I watched the highlights. I don't think they were that bad. Uh, the Tampa game just felt like it was a Tampa versus Ottawa game. And then that game in Arizona dropped his save percentage from 914 to 906. And 
you still look at his numbers like in terms of like goals saved above expected and they're above average last year like he had by the numbers he had a pretty good year only 20 games but by the numbers pretty good um he would have had the same save percentage as Campbell if it wasn't for that last game now you can't just take out a game from the sample but like typically the goalie gets pulled after like a few after four goals if he's really that bad I think if you're gonna get let like if they're get, the coach is letting you in there for eight, typically you're not as bad as the numbers suggest. It's just a weird game. Um, I think I think he's underrated, like in in terms of ability. I don't know if I have him as highly rated as the Leafs do, but I would have taken him at fifty percent retention. I think I didn't think that at the start of the off season, but the more research I did on him, uh, I was kind of comfortable around the threes or the high twos um the the gamble they took and i guess you do have to consider the draft picks but it is a little bit pricey i i don't think it's as bad as as people think but i do think it is slightly pricey and it's a it's a big gamble for the front office it's funny because you 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 made that tweet last week or or maybe a couple days ago about the last two games of murray's season so and you posted the highlights. So I, I watched the highlights for that. I think it was like an 8-4 game or 8-5 game. Mm-hmm. And some of the goals on Murray were just ridiculous. Like Ottawa's defense was brutal. They were leaving him out to dry. I even watched the highlights for the other game where he lets in five goals. And not a lot of them are soft. Like I, I can't really think of maybe one or two that were like maybe a little bit his fault. But um so yeah, you know, the nice thing about small samples is, especially with goaltending, is you can actually watch the goals that the person allowed. But I'm going to ask you a quick question because, you know, I think sometimes context is important in these types of situations. Um, the goalie market in general, Kevin, has just been really odd, to say the least, this summer. Would what Which contract would you rather take? So Detroit signed Vili Huso last week at 4.75 for three years. Would you rather take that contract or Matt Murray for just over 4.8 who says for two years who a weird one like mm-hmm. I want to say who so but at the same time he's got such a limited track record he got kind of red hot this year at one point like Murray um but then you also had like a, a you just played more this year right it's just a short track record for him uh you give up a third rather than getting a third and then you have to give up the extra year term I think I'd rather have Huso, but I'm I, I don't know. I'm I'm higher on Murray than most, and I'm probably lower on Huso than most. Um, again, I don't think I'm as high as on Murray as the Leafs are, but and I don't love the trade, but it's not terrible. I don't know. I I don't think it's terrible. Like I, I was when I saw the reaction about Murray, um, I looked at Huso's numbers actually, and and that that went pretty smoothly for Detroit. I, I didn't really see too much, you know, people questioning Iserman or anything like that. Huso's played 57 NHL games. Um, in his first year with St. Louis, he was at 8-9-3 save percentage in 17 games. Uh, this past season, he was at a 9-19 in 40 games, and he had an 8-90 in seven playoff games. I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't really trust that sample any more than Murray's you know, two cups years ago and then injury problems and COVID and then a pretty good season last year. So I would personally take Murray. Um, but I don't know. I, I just I just feel like the outrage is a little different from the Huso contract versus how Murray was. But obviously Toronto is a, a pretty big market around here. So um, 
let's let's talk about those other goaltending options there, Kevin. Like I know you said that you think that they're gonna go after another player. I also think that they are gonna go after someone. What are some options? I know some cleared up earlier today uh, when the when people were not uh, tendering their qualifying offers. Yeah, so Ilya Samsonov wasn't qualified from Washington. I don't really see him as a great fit for the Leafs. Um, I think if you're like a, given his age, I think if you're a team like Buffalo or Arizona, I think they're going to pay, like, they have tons of cap space, and they're just, they want to pay for potential. So I think I think he's going to get a big offer from, not a big offer, but more than the Leafs can offer at least, um, and, and probably more playing time from going to a rebuilding team. That's the direction I'm expecting him to go. Um, and he just... With, with the uncertainty around Murray, I don't know if I want to go with Simsonov. But there's Eric Comrie out there. I know that's not the sexiest name, but he had really good numbers this year. Again, like Murray, I think he only played like 20 games. But he was actually one of the best goalies in hockey this season on a, on a per-game basis. Um, like, very unproven. Um, he's been on waivers and claimed on waivers uh, fairly recently. But he's he's an interesting option. Um I think you look at San Jose, uh, whether it's Reimer or Aiden Hill or even a, a Kapokakinen, um, and then the other team to watch is Anaheim with, with Anthony Stolar. So I don't think they're getting John Gibson now. But the Murray thing is fairly similar to Gibson, I suppose, where you have this goalie who is once one of the best in the league, right? Like Gibson probably even more than Murray, but Murray was an exceptional goaltender for his first four years like you would have had to pay a haul to get him and then the last three years for gibson and murray have been have been very weak um and you know you, you, they've been playing on a bad team both of them and you just think there's more potential there right i think with gibson obviously the price would have been higher i don't know what the price would have been um obviously his, his term is five years um, I was kind of tempted, depending on how much they'd retain, to take the gamble. But um, obviously, this is much less of a risk. I think performance-wise, I'd have more confidence in Gibson. But cost-wise, it's kind of night and day, the two years versus the five-year risk. Um, this isn't overly risky for the Leafs. I think it's it's two years. The cap hits high, I guess. The, the oppor- But there's not a ton of opportunity cost. A little bit, but I, I just don't know what other goalies you're going to get. Um, and what you'd have to pay for them in terms of assets. So, I yeah, don't... and especially the term you hit—you hit a good spot there because I think the Leafs need to start thinking about their big contracts. Obviously, Nylander and is it Tavares this year? Um, sorry, sorry, it's it's Marner and oh, sorry. In two years, we have Matthews and, and Nylander coming up. So, I think if you give the term to Cat uh, to Campbell, or if you go big with Kemper then that can kind of affect it. So I agree. I don't think there's that much risk in terms of the term um, for this. You know, if he's good, then that's great. You get a good goalie for a pretty reasonable cap hit. Um, If he's not good, you know, you can always trade it. You might need to eat something, but at least it'll only be for one year. Or you could just let the contract run out. Um, So, you know, I think it might be... It might be a tough one to kind of... It's, it's a big salary. It's a big one-year salary. So I, it might be a little bit tough to just dump it. But um, at least it's only two years. It's not like you're giving up a lot of term in terms of the contract. So it's just that AAV that really hurts. Yeah, it's a one-year gamble. And then if it doesn't work out, you're probably giving up the third and seventh. So 
Um, it's not it's not going to be an albatross contract by any means that you can't trade out of. Um, they'll certainly be able to trade out of it just for one year. I mean, they just got a two years of Barazic. Um, I, I I like the upside. Um, so I know like save percentage is kind of the standard when when people look at goalies. Um, it's not the best statistic. Like if you look at the stats nerds, like Mika Blake McCurdy, um, or if you just think about it logically, like a, a nine ten save percentage is you save ninety one percent of your shots, and a nine hundred save percentage is ninety percent of your shots, right? So the one percent kind of separates a bad goalie from an average goalie or even a half decent goalie, and you know I would say like eighty percent of goals. I'm just making the stat up, aren't on the goalie, right? Like, a lot of the times, they're just hung out to dry. So, like, I wouldn't get... And I know Cam Sharon, who used to work for the Leafs front office as of, like, a month ago, he, he tweeted out that, you know, save percentage is at a great stat, and, you know, <laughs> it's not a great predictor of next year's save percentage. So I wouldn't... I'm not, like, overly fussed with the numbers. Like, I think the... Having back-to-back years under 900 isn't great. Like, that's that's certainly not what you want. I haven't gone back and watched. Um, I don't know if he was hung out to dry a lot or if he was legitimately just terrible. Um, it was weird. Like, the Pittsburgh year, he basically was average the first third of the season. Then just, like, all of a sudden, after years of good play, just forgot how to sa- save a puck for, like, 13 games. And then went back to being average. And then, really, the Ottawa year... Um, that first one was a huge kind of I don't know I don't know what happened that Out, first outlier. Year. Yeah, like he had so many injuries, so I guess I don't know if he's playing a hundred percent or something like that. Um, I have heard that he was having vision issues, so like mm-hmm. I don't know what happened in that first Ottawa year because it was terrible, and then this year starts off terrible. Everything that could have went wrong went wrong. Goes to the AHL and then is the all of a sudden looks back to his old self. So it's a huge gamble that Murray's back to his old self. Um, if he is, this contract's probably a steal. Uh, but if he's anything anything close to the, you know, the first-year Ottawa goalie, then you got a major problem. Uh, it'll be a bad, a bad contract that I guess you can get out of next offseason or maybe at the deadline. Um, but it is, for what they're paying him, it does seem like a little bit much. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, I, I didn't hear about the vision issues at all. I know that obviously he's had some other injuries and whatnot. Um, I don't know. I think there's, there's a few things that the Leafs are really banking on. One, it's that that sample of 20 games of last year is truly what he is right now. B, it's that they are that he's a healthy goalie. And three, I think it's that he's now going to be in front of a better defense. They're going to be able to be kind of more structurally sound in front of them and that a bit of that goaltending that we saw in the first year from Murray was due to just Ottawa not being a very good team in general. So um, it's a big bet to make. Like, I, I don't really believe that Dubas's job is on the line. Like, I definitely see a lot of tweets saying that, oh, like, this is his last real chance. This is his last real bet. I don't really know how much I believe into that. Um but I guess we'll see. With goaltending, it's just so unpredictable. Um, I don't really love the the one year cap hit on you know most goalies uh, of over four point five. But you know, I guess we'll have to wait and see for this one. Yeah, I'm hoping they use the third and the seventh to get some retention on someone else. Like they could probably get a million off with that, maybe. Um, 
So, like, if they're trading for a player from, like, I don't know, Montreal or, or Chicago, um, and they say, hey, like, retain an extra million, here's the third and the seventh, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happened. Um, so even though Murray's cap hits kind of higher, when you, if, if they use the picks, it, it kind of knocks it down a bit. Um, it might be more of, like, a $3.7 million gamble rather than four point seven. We'll see. Um, but it is a, it, obviously, it's a huge gamble on just, uh, what he was last year and it was a tale of two halves for him right and you look at the numbers like i was looking at goals safe above expected from evolving hockey right and he was pretty comfortably better than campbell by that metric last year and then you look at campbell was really good in the first half and then really struggled in the second half partly due to injuries but you know murray had injuries too and then murray was the opposite where he was quite bad in the first half and then like Vesna caliber for like a month and a half out of nowhere so I think what I like I don't I didn't want anything to do with the Campbell contract the five by five I I just think that's if that's the deal he gets and I don't know if it will be I think five by five is nuts for Campbell um I think the Kemper deal is going to be nuts because Washington is in a spot where they don't really care about the last few years of the deal they're going to be so bad anyways they're kind of all in I'm sh- like we know they went and looked at all the goalie prices, whether it be, you know, I'm sure they talked about Gibson. I'm sure they talked about Stolars. A lot of the options, you know, are either kind of, you know, like Rhymer types where you don't really you have a long track record, but they're probably not a one A. And then others are, you know, kind of like Eric Comrie, where you have some good numbers but really no track record. Um, I I think they I think my guess is that they basically looked at Campbell and Murray. Two goalies that they used to have at the same time in the Sioux. Two goalies mm-hmm. that they know well. Uh, and basically said, you know, do we want Campbell for five or Murray for two? And they went with Murray for two. It's definitely the, I would say it's a lower risk play. Even though, like, it's it's more risk in terms of next year's success. But it's probably a lower risk move overall. I don't think, like, I I think that Campbell contract would be pretty bad, to be honest with you. Um I just wish they got an extra million of retention on this because I would have I would have liked this deal at the full fifty percent. Um, the twenty five percent, given what we knew about the Buffalo offer, I find it a little bit disappointing. Yeah, I think at a fifty percent, I would have been okay too. That's that's pretty much where I am too. The picks for me, I mean, I think it would have been nice if they got higher picks, but for me, the retention was really really important. Um, it's interesting actually with. The, the Sioux connection because at the time Matt Murray was the goalie for Sheldon Keith and Kyle Dubas and Dubas actually traded quite a few a pretty big haul for Jack Campbell back then and Jack Campbell replaced Murray he went on to get drafted by Dallas he went to the NHL his stint with the Sioux didn't really go really as planned uh, this is Campbell now Campbell went to the NHL Murray came in took his spot back because obviously Campbell was gone and Murray, you know, he's been said to say that he kind of took that as a, a chip on his shoulder and kind of became the goalie that he is now. So it's funny. Campbell once was brought in to replace Murray, and now, to a certain extent, that's happened now. So a little bit of full circle. Yeah. So uh, I think, I don't know. I didn't want the Campbell deal. I Gibson was interesting, but, like, I have a feeling Anaheim was kind of asking for the moon. 
Um, I, yeah, I wasn't interested in Gibson. I like um, Stolar. Stolar. One for the one for the opportunity cost, like what or what the trade would be, and two, I, I hated that term on dip, on Gibson. I think the Leafs can still get Stolars. Yeah, that's, that'd that's be a kind good of fit because he has a low yeah. cap hit this year, like under a million, and that'd be a nice kind of compliment for Matt Murray, uh, given that it's. I mean, his his contract's not that high for a goalie, Matt Murray. It's just given his numbers, it's high. Um, but if, if Murray can be your 1A, which he's been before, right? Like, I will say Matt Murray does have upside. Like, he is someone who's posted, you know, a 920-plus save percentage before. He's someone who's won two cups. Um, he's only 28, right? So he does have upside. I think staying healthy is the big thing for him. Um, obviously, he's going to be reunited with his, his goalie coach from, from before. And then... So the upside's there. There's still risk. I think you're going to get risk with any goalie. I, I, I am just, I'm higher on him than most. I'll say that. I, I don't know if I'm Kyle Dubas high on Matt Murray, but I'm, I would have taken him around the 3.1, I think. I kind of talked myself into him after learning just how good he was basically in the, in the year 2022. Uh, when I first saw the number, 906, save percentage, 20 games, doesn't look that great, but it does seem like someone who's perhaps turned a corner. I like that gamble. I just I wish the gamble was a little bit less expensive. Let's put it that way. But uh, Stolarz Nick I think is is one of the the targets we'll probably have going forward. Mm-hmm. We, do, we both think they're going to get another goalie. Uh, it seems like John Gibson isn't going to be traded. That's my guess. Now that I mean it seems like Kemper's going to Washington. Campbell's going to uh, Edmonton. That's I don't know how Campbell has a five by five when you're not allowed to give offers yet, but he seems to have five by five. Um, I don't. I'm guessing Gibson stays. And is their starter, and I'm guessing Stolarz with one year left on his deal. I mean, he's pre- pretty much the same age as Gibson. I'm assuming he gets traded. So uh, perhaps it's the third and the seventh. I think you maybe need a little bit more for Stolarz, given how good the cap hit is. Um, but that would be an interesting guy, a guy with a really good save percentage uh, to kind of pair with Murray. You have some, I mean, Stolarz had a very good first half, not as good in the second half, um, but he's a you know a big six six goalie who. Uh, has done well at the NHL level so far. So I think he's an option. I think Eric Comrie's an option. I think Aiden Hill would be an option uh, from San Jose. But I'm I'm definitely interested to, to see what happens. Uh, the other thing I'll say, Nick, is uh, my family friend's cottage is in Muskoka. I won't say where, but I go there about twice a year, <laughs> and Murray's cottage is about two doors down. So I'm going to kayak over there sometime. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to the bottom of these injuries. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, just make make sure he's not doing anything crazy. Like, I don't want to see him on... I don't want to hear stories of him on jet skis or a tube <laughs> or anything like that. So just make just police that. Make sure nothing's happening over there. Um, Stolarz is interesting. Like, I, it, when it comes to the trade costs there, I was looking at their cap friendly earlier this week. Um, they have Shattenkirk, Drysdale, and Schuster on the right side. Schuster's now a UFA. I don't know if Justin Hall would be something that they'd be interested in. Sorry, what team? Their forward group. This is Anaheim uh, for Stolarz. Okay. Um, their forward group is just a, a it, it's kind of a bit of a mess. <laughs> so I'm not really sure if they'd be interested in any sort of, you know, any sort of roster player from the Leafs in terms of a forward. Um, if it was just picks, like a third and a seventh, I think the Leafs take that and run with it for, for Stolarz. Um, but like you said, I think it's a little bit higher than that. What what would you think the 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 trade cost is for like an Aiden Hill? Pretty low. I think they gave up a second for him last year. He didn't have a good year, so it's probably a third, maybe a fourth even. Um, the player I look to 
for Stolars is Kerfoot. I think a lot of people really like Kerfoot because of the points. I don't think there's a ton of surplus value at three point five million dollar cap hit, and because of his uh, because of his salary at seven hundred and fifty thousand this year, the league minimum, he actually makes less than Stolars. So I think you could get Stolars plus for Kerfoot. Uh, if I'm Anaheim, I'd rather have Kerfoot because he's more likely to retain his trade value, and I could flip Kerfoot at the deadline. I don't know. Kerfoot does have a 10-team no-trade clause, but I'd be trying to trade Kerfoot somewhere. I don't know if it's Stolarz Plus or, or something. Um, I, I'm kind of like looking for every Kerfoot trade I can at the moment. Uh, I think Stolarz just because of the low cap hit, that's why I like him, because that would just free you up to actually have some money to kind of spend on your forward group. And there's quite a few names out there, so uh, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what they do. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about those forward, uh, that forward group right now. So when you, when you look at next year, to be honest, actually, when the when the offseason first started, I, I thought a lot of the current Leafs were going to be returning. Um, I guess we can still wait and see. But, you know, we do know Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Nylander, Kampf, Bunting, and probably Simmons will be back. Obviously, Robertson's there. Clifford will probably be there. Um I still have Engvall in the lineup right now, so virtually you have, you know, a couple spots to fill. You're pretty much looking for a fourth line center. You're looking for someone to replace Andre Kasha, and then of course Ilya Mikheyev, who most likely will be uh, picked up for a pretty big contract somewhere else. I think the big thing for the Leafs is these qualifying offers and the the RFAs that are turning into UFAs. Let's go one by one, Kevin, because there's, there's a few interesting ones. Let's start with Dylan Strom. Um, obviously a former Erie Otter, very good player. He can play on the as a center. He can play as a, as a winger, potentially someone that they can bring in as a, a 2C um, to kind of push Tavares to the wing, something that you know I'm sure that they are looking at right now. Um, but of course, he can also play like over the uh, at the wing, keep Tavares there. He can play on the third line. What do you think of uh, Dylan Strom? I like him because he has the passion because of the Jays. Uh, <laughs> it's a great ice, picture. On ice, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if I would pay him what he'll get elsewhere, which is I'm guessing he could maybe get like high threes to four million from someone. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see. I, I I know when he played with Patrick Kane, he started racking up points. Uh, I don't really love his two-way game. I've never been the biggest fan of him, but if he's if he's gonna take a hometown discount, why not, right? Like, he could right. play the wing. You could put him at center and move Tavares to the wing. You could get creative there. I, I wouldn't say he's at the top of my list unless he's gonna take a big discount. If if I'm him, I would probably go somewhere where I'm gonna get a bunch of playing time and get a bunch of power play time. He's not really gonna touch the top power play here. It wouldn't seem. Um, so I'm not as I think like he's the number one target for a lot of people. I have him on my list if he's cheap enough, but I wouldn't really go crazy for him. Like I don't know if I'd go north of four or anything like that. Um, th- what, no. Do you like Strom? Like, is that who you're looking at? I like I I like Strom the player. I, I I think he definitely does have the passion. For me, it's kind of in the same thing. Like, what does this contract actually look like? I do think he's going to be, you know, a lot of people are going to be interested in him. I'm sure the Leafs are going to be interested in him. But uh, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm thinking of someone around the three, three mil range. I've been doing a lot of those armchair GM uh, this year, and, and I, I think that's really, and that was really before the the Murray 
the Murray trade. Like I, I think around three, three point five is where the Leafs could potentially be going for him. But um, I do like the fact that he's a free agent. You don't need to give anything up for that type of a player. But um, I think I, I would definitely be more interested in other options. I think the Leafs are really going to have to try and find like their their David Camps and your Michael Bunting type value in terms of the the, the one year cap hit. So. Let's keep moving on. We'll stay on with Chicago. Um, let's talk about Kubalik, another guy that they're not going to be qualifying. I think he's an interesting option. He's a player that he's a, he's a rookie. As a rookie, he scored 30 goals. He was shooting a 19 shooting percentage that year, Kevin. And the past two years, it's definitely come down to earth, back at 8 and 9% respectively. But, you know, he's a decent scorer. Like, I don't think he's really going to be a play driver um, he still was in the teens in terms of goal scored. I do think the Leafs need more offense in their bottom six this upcoming year. I think that's something that was missing the past year. So I think it could be an option. I could see him being paired with, you know, a pretty good transition player like Pierre Engvall to get him into the offensive zone. And then, you know, you, you get kind of get him to shoot the puck, um, Kabalik that is. So the shot rates were still pretty high. It did take a bit of a, a dip this past year, but you know, playing on a better Leafs team could work. So, you know, depending on the cap hit, I'd want it to be pretty low. I think he could be a decent option for the bottom six. Are, are you a fan of him or are you looking elsewhere? Uh, is he on your short list? I used to be a fan of him. I think it's pronounced Kubalik, but I'm Kubalik. Yeah, I knew I was butchering that. Well, I might be butchering it. Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> normally pretty bad with pronunciations. But uh, with him, obviously he's got some offensive skill. Like, I think his transition game is actually pretty good. Uh, it's his two-way game that kind of bugs me. Uh, I don't know if he's exactly the type of player I'm looking for. Obviously, like like Strom, if he's cheap enough, sure. Um, and I guess just as a background, um, just if people are listening to this and don't really understand why these guys aren't getting qualifying offers, uh, how it works is the, the qualifying offer is basically a minimum offer that you have to give to keep the player's rights. Um, and... A lot of the RFAs, not all of them, not the youngest ones, but most of them have arbitration rights. And if you give them a qualifying offer, they can elect arbitration. And if they get under, I think it's like 4.5, something around there, you can't walk away from it. So that's kind of what happened with Kasha. I think his qualifying offer was close to $1 million. Uh, That seems reasonable. But then he could have elected arbitration, and then who knows what he gets, right? It's a pretty big risk. Um, so for the Leafs, like they don't want to risk a $3 million salary award for Andre Kasha. They'd rather just not take the chance and go get someone else. Um, so that's similar to what it is with Kubalik, where I think he has the counting stats to, to probably get a big award. Um, I don't think he's as good as his hockey DP, hockey DB page suggests. Uh, I wouldn't mind him as like a third line flyer. Um, but he's not at the top of my list. I don't really know if I love his style for the Leafs. Um, I find like he's he's kind of more of the soft skill type. The two guys that I really like are, are Sonny Milano and Danton Heinen. Again, it all comes down to price, but um, I just think those guys are, their skill set kind of fits more what the Leafs need a little bit. They're not that hard dose, but they're, I think I like them. their two-way games a little bit better than Kubo Leagues. Yeah, it's funny because you and I have been talking about Sonny Milano. I know you've been a big fan of him, even dating back to, you know, the AHL days. Um, he's an interesting player. I think he definitely fits the way the Leafs play. Um, 
I would love for him to be on the Leafs. I think just when you look at just his regular on ice with and without, it looks really good whenever he's on the ice. Anaheim was usually playing quite well, um, especially two years ago. Like Looking now, just 60% in 2020, 2021 in terms of expected goal differential. I mean, he's a good player. He's, he's I think he's a hardworking guy. He's got enough skill that he can make plays. Obviously, everyone remembers his part in the um, in the Michigan play with yeah. uh, Zegras. So I'm sure him and Matthews will get along. He's an interesting player, though. Like Sonny Milano, he... He had a pretty good uh, primary points per 60 this past year. I don't have it offhand. I think it was 1.72. And his on-ice shooting percentage was 7.62. So I definitely think there's definitely some upside there. Um, one thing to keep in mind is he was sheltered to a certain extent in terms of his zone starts. 71% last year. Uh, but the year before, 44. And the year before that was 50. And he still had... He was still in the green in terms of expected goals and just regular goals in general. So um, definitely a good player. I'd love to see Milano. I, I can't say that I've, you know, really looked into Danton Heinen that much, um, especially since he moved from Boston. But so could you kind of go more into to what makes Danton Heinen, like the player right now, uh, kind of a serviceable op- option for the Leafs? Yeah, so he's someone who caught my eye uh, a few years ago. And I just love Pittsburgh. Like, I love Pittsburgh's forwards. Uh, like, Evan Rodriguez, I'm a big fan of. Teddy Bluger, I think, is really underrated. Uh, obviously, guys like Brian Rust. Uh, I just find that they're so good at finding these diamonds in the rough. And, like, I watch a lot of Pittsburgh, and I just... Heine kind of catches my eye as a well-rounded player. Uh, he's maybe not the fastest guy in the world, but he's fairly big. He's got pretty good hands. He's got a pretty good shot. Uh, he's, he's decent... I'd say he's a he's a half decent two way player. Like for someone who's not an amazing skater, he's not Nick Ritchie, but he's not an amazing skater either. He's not Kapanen. Um, had to throw the huge Nick Ritchie uh, shout use, out. Yeah, yeah, had to get the sh- the shot there. But um, <laughs> I, I think if he's, it depends what he wants. Like you know, obviously I'm sure Pittsburgh wanted to take like resign him because he had a pretty good season. I think he had like thirty points, thirty one points. Uh, I think he'd be a good middle six forward. He's he's very different from Mikhaev, but he would be uh, kind of. I think he's just one of those underrated forwards that doesn't get enough attention. I think Pittsburgh's full of them. Um, I don't. I don't know. Like we'll see what he he wants. I think obviously that's kind of the 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 gist with all free agents. But it's funny, Nick. Did you see? I don't know if you saw it. I tweeted it out. But um, Milano used to play with Matthews back at i think it was that the u.s under 18 team and they like fought in practice i don't think they like actually were like throwing punches but it was like a pretty big skirmish uh so i think the question is if he will get along with matthews we'll see i i think they said like no bad blood there or something but you never know like maybe they hate each other i'm sure that's going to be the big factor they'll talk to matthews and they'll see if they're friends or they'll see if they're enemies i got no idea yeah we'll get them into a uh like a Hell in a Cell match, just let them, you know, kind of fight it out. We'll have Bunting as a special guest referee. Uh, it can be on pay-per-view. But, um, yeah, you know what's funny? With Dan Heinen, like, we, we saw so much of him when he was on Boston. Um, I do remember him, obviously, being, like, a very, just, just a little good at everything. Like, he's not, he's a player that can score a little bit, uh, like, decent carrier, like you said, but he doesn't really stand out in one particular skill. So, I think the Leafs do need that in their bottom six. 
Um, so that'll be an interesting option. I definitely need to kind of look into Heinen a little bit more. Um, going, is there anyone else that you're you're kind of interested in terms of the that list of RFAs that that haven't been uh, kind of kept by their teams? Not really. I think I think free agent wise though, I, there's a couple names I'm really interested in, and one's Mason Marchment. I guarantee you, you don't want Mason Marchment, but I am so <laughs> interested in Mason Marchment. I think he's got like. His honest impacts are through the roof. He's basically got, he basically got uh, Nishushkin up like his his basic numbers, right? Like points, and then also just like on ice impact stats. I think he's so he's very good at getting takeaways. He's physical, not the fastest skater, but got good hands, a good net front score. I know he shot like a billion percent this year, but I think he's a good player, and I don't know if his track record's gonna lower his market. So I, like if he's under four million, I'm I'm kind of interested on that. Um, and then Evan Rodriguez is the other guy from Pittsburgh. I think is just a well-rounded player. Uh, I really like Pittsburgh players. I'm curious to see what he gets. I think he might end up getting like five million or something. Um, Ricard Raquel actually just signed five by five, which is a deal I don't like. Um, but I, I'm I'm curious to see uh, to see what happens there. Well. <laughs> Me and Mason Marchman, like I loved Mason Marchman on the Marlies. Um, I think once he got traded, then I think he got a little bit overrated. Like when he was in Florida, I think he's a really good player, but it it all depends on the contract with Marchman. Like I I cannot see him. I think he's gonna get overpaid by someone. Like like how I, much? maybe the track record bring. I think even like a four point five five mil. Yeah, it's a little pricey. I think that's a little pricey for me um, because of that track record. But I mean, you look at the skill set that he has. He's able to make plays. He's got some snarl to him. He's physical. He can mix it up with other players. He just has that dog in him. Um, he has that dog in him, and I think yeah. a lot of GMs like that, as they should. Um, it's a tough kind of mix for to get nowadays, and and there's not that many players like that. And and every year we see in the playoffs guys like. You know, even Pat Maroon or Vander Kane or Kadri that have that kind of mix, they get a lot of the spotlight in the playoffs in terms of just the coverage and, and how much, you know, the media talks about those players. So that's usually the, the guys that get overpaid. So I would just be weary of the contract. If if it's even in the th- like the low threes, I think the Leafs should be on it. Um, anything higher than that, I would just let it go. I think I, so I'm looking at the Leafs cap situation right now. And I'm like completely convinced Sam Gagne is going to be a Leaf. Like he's friends with Tavares. He's he's a good player. He's made a ton of money in his career. And Akil, I think he's the exact type that takes a hometown discount. And I would love to have him for a hometown discount. Um, you know, he he called the Leafs a first class organization when he was with the Marlies. Um, he's been overpaid in his career at times, so I think he's the perfect player to take a discount. I I just you if you don't think like I I put. Clifford to the AHL in this example, and I just put Gagne in, and they also put Robertson in, um, and obviously, so they have they have six defensemen, one goaltender, and Matt Murray. Uh, they basically have a top nine, and then Simmons on the fourth line, and they have six point three to spend. So you add in Engvall, it's probably like two two point three. You're left with about four. Um, then you have to get basically a some sort of center a goaltender and then a seventh defenseman so i they could definitely shop in like the mid-tier forward range i wouldn't mind moving like 
what I would do is I would trade Kerfoot and then shop for like a slightly more expensive forward, like someone in the four, four-ish range, maybe even five. Um, that's what I would do. But it's going to be interesting because I, I I do think that they like Kerfoot, and because of his contract structure, like I would trade him for sure. So <laughs> I'm uh oh, I guess the. I guess two quick questions here, Nick. Will they trade Alex Kerfoot and will they trade Justin Hall? I just want a yes or no. I want to talk about Sam Gagne after this a little bit because uh, you brought me onto that. But first, uh, Kerfoot, will they trade him? I will say... I'll say yes. You know, if you asked me 24 hours ago, I might have said no. I think the the Murray cap hit has changed things a little bit. Um, I was definitely on board with the day that they had to pay his bonus on July 1st. I was expecting a trade like within 72 hours after that. When things started to, when obviously it never happened, I started to kind of sour on them trading Kerfoot. I didn't think it was going to happen, but um, I'll say yes. I think they will trade him. Justin Hall, I'm going to say no. I think at the beginning of the offseason, I would have maybe said yes, but... I actually was defending him earlier this this week. You know, you look at Sandine. I know they don't play the same position. Sandine playing on the left side, Hall on the right side. Sandine's contract negotiations obviously haven't gone as smoothly as they first maybe expected. Um, so that's one thing. And then the other thing is Labushkin's going to be hitting the open market. If they lose Labushkin, then all of a sudden you're looking for a right D. Uh, to add to that, Timothy Lilligren was really good last year. I don't know if the Leafs want to go into the next season with Lilligren being their second best uh, right defenseman behind Brody. Hall, obviously, I understand why a lot of people are down on him. You know, aesthetically, he makes some big mistakes. Um, he's not really a physical player. He's not an eye-opening player. But he gets the job done. Like He's a decent puck mover. I do think that he was a little slower last year. Maybe the sickness that he had at the beginning of the season, maybe the injuries that he was battling has something to do with that. But, you know, he was still above water um, at five on five in terms of expected goals and in terms of regular goals. Um, he had, he was starting in the defensive zone. He was playing a lot of minutes when the Leafs were in the lead. He did a good job defending leads. So I, I wouldn't be opposed to him coming back. Um, I don't think they're just going to trade him just as like a, just to get rid of cap. I mean, I hope not, unless they have other plans. But like he's only two mil a year, so they're not really going to be shedding that much cap. Um, but to bring it back to my tweet the other day, it's funny. I asked you the same question in text, and you said Hall right away. So I was asking the wrong person. But I pretty much put Hall's expected goals at 5 on 5, his goals for at 5 on 5, his offensive zone starts. And then the fact that he played over 150 minutes on the PK, and I asked without checking, can you guess which player this is? Here are some of the the answers I got. I got Ian Cole, Nick Letty, Alex Goligoski, Labushkin, Colin Miller, uh, Good Branson. So I think some of those are just they expected someone to be, like with the Good Branson one. Um, but, you know, you got like a Colin Miller, Ian Cole, like pretty good hockey players there. Um so I think the numbers are good. I think he is a, a a candidate to have a pretty good season next year or a good buy low candidate for another team. So I'll say I'll say no. I think they're going to keep him. 
Yeah, I'm I'm kind of curious on Hall because like you see some of the insiders saying that you know they, he's on the trade bait board and then like they might be looking for a new opportunity for him, but like nothing in his usage would indicate that they're they don't like him, right? Like he played over Lilligren in the playoffs. He played top four with Muzzin in the playoffs. Um, so it seems like Sheldon Keefe really likes him. I know some of the fan base doesn't, but. I'm, I'm kind of curious on that one, what happens. And then, like, because of their cap situation, I don't know if they want to go out and get a more expensive top four. Um, so I'm I'm thinking he stays, too. I think... I actually think Kerfoot's going to stay, too. I, I wouldn't... I would trade Kerfoot, but... Um, that's a real wild card, like a toss-up for me. Uh, I forgot about Sandine, and that's the other player I wanted to ask you about. So it's, it's really 6.3. I put Gagne at league minimum. You put... You could, you could put... Kerf, uh, Clifford up for league minimum if you wanted um, but they basically need a fourth line center uh, I would say uh, Engvall uh, Sandine and a goalie right so if Engvall's 2.3 Sandine's like somewhere in the twos and then you kind of have like a million each for the goaltender and fourth line center so yeah I do think that I'll say yes to Kerfoot, I guess, after kind of doing the calculation here. But I want to ask you about Sandine because he is a player who hasn't signed yet. He's a player who has the same agent as William Nylander. And obviously those negotiations didn't go over all that well. Uh, he is someone who's eligible to sign an offer sheet. Uh, I think if he was going to take the Lilligren deal, he would have taken it already. Uh, it seems like he might at least explore that as leverage. Um, what... Like, what offer would you turn down for... Like, if if he does take an offer sheet, let's say it's, like, 3.5, are you matching that? And that's on one year, right? Yeah. Well, mostly it's probably going to be on one year, yeah. Um, well, now I don't know how they can do that. Especially um, if it's the full 4.1. They'd have to be trading someone else. I, I, think Muzzin's, I think Muzzin's gone. Like, like someone's got to be gone at that point. Uh, they just won't have enough money to, like, they'll be right up against the cap and they'll have to go really cheap um, for that goalie in that fourth line center. Um, I, I don't know if that's even doable, to be honest. I guess I'd have to, I'll have to check on cap friendly later, but um, I I think you have to match it. Like, you can't lose Sandine for just a second. And the max is 4.1. Um, so that's, that's where yes. it gets tricky. I know some people think, like, they see Sandina 4.1, they say, no way. Like, no way he's worth it. He hasn't proven that. But you have all these teams that are, like, struggling to get to the cap floor, basically. And there's nothing mm -hmm. they'd rather spend money on than young players, right? Like, if I'm Detroit, I want to I try out a Sandine cider pairing for one year. If it doesn't work, you do what happens with Dylan Strom. Don't give him a qualifying offer. And, you know, he's... He's a free agent. You give up a second-round pick for the trial. Uh, if it does work out, you have a top-four defenseman for the next decade, for all you know. Um, so I think it's a lot of risk. I'm wondering if he gets moved, like, for a forward. I think the ideal trade, like, I think it can obviously work on the back end. Like, you can you can try him on the right side. You can try someone on the right side. Um, guys get hurt. Uh, you'd love to have him around uh, for the right price. But, like... If you could trade Sandine for like his equivalent at forward, like someone who's just as good, like if if Sandine's worth five goals above replacement, if you get a forward for the exact same like the exact same value, I think the Leafs would do it. Tricky deal to make. We don't really see too many 
deals like that too often. But I think that's a player who I'm really watching closely this year because I don't think his agent's going to make it easy. And I'm wondering if a team like Detroit will make try to make him the next uh, Yasperi Kakaniemi, just less of a gamble, a lower Kakaniemi, because that one hasn't worked out too well. No, that one has not worked out too well. Um, yeah, for other teams, I mean, it's a great opportunity to get a good player. Um, but yeah, no, I think I would match that 4.1 mil. When I look at it, like, I think the Leafs could potentially move salary somewhere else. The only thing is, I, I think the leverage part kind of bothers me. Now, if they do match it, and now you're in a situation where you need to lose a player, like, are you going to get the true value of what you get for Jake Muzzin, for example? Um, or even Alex Kerfoot, when teams know that you need to make these trades? Um, that'd be the only thing that I'd be concerned about. Um, but, I mean, you can't lose Sandine for a second. I, I think that's just a... Uh, it's, it's something that you'd look back on it and you'd probably say, you know what, we should have just moved someone somewhere else. Yeah, I think I think Leafs fans get tired of the offer sheet talk because, like, the Marner and, and Nylander won. But with Marner, it really made no sense, right? Because the Leafs paid him 10.9. If they would have, if team goes over, I think it was 11, they would have to give him up four firsts. And, like, no one was doing that. So, to me, the Marner offer sheet never made a ton of sense. Like, I was never really worried about the Leafs um not matching for that uh or you just luck out you get four first and 11 million of cow space like you'd be over the moon right with nylander there was more risk and obviously because it dragged on so long there was a lot of talk about it um but at the same time like at that compensate i think you got like a first and what first second third or something um so i think sandine is really the territory where it could really hurt the leafs where they're the most vulnerable, vulnerable because it's not a huge gamble at 4.1 for a team. I know that seems high for an unproven player, but, I mean, what do they care? Like, what's Steve Eiserman care about cap space? He's got, like, $30 million. He's not going to be anywhere near the cap. Um, and Detroit's got money. Like, if, how many pizzas need to get sold from Little Caesars to afford Sandine? It's probably, like, 10 minutes of pizzas. Uh, I think they can afford Sandine. I think... For a second, they should take the chance, and I think the agent's going to try for it. So, I'd be curious to see what that trade would look like because it would be a pretty massive trade. Obviously, you're not going to sell them for like twenty five cents on the dollar or anything, but I am wondering if there's a bigger deal out there for for Sandine. Um, it's going to be kind of interesting to see to see what they do. Uh, I guess my predi- I I do think they'll move Kerfoot, and I wouldn't be surprised if they move Sandine. Those would be kind of be my two bolder predictions these are my two issues is one you know they could make a a linear move in terms of trying to find a forward that's in sandine's range um but the only thing is you can't really get someone that costs a lot of money like it, it'll have to be someone that's on a, a entry-level contract right now mm-hmm. um and then obviously the, the those types of players usually teams are pretty high on those types of players uh it's most likely they drafted them themselves most likely they're you know, there's a lot of hope that that player is going to become quite good. Um, so I think that is one problem. And the other thing is the Leafs don't really have a contract that I would say is like a negative value contract right now. Where <laughs> Not Murray? I, I, well, that's one, I guess. But <laughs> um, like, it, it's not a situation where you can really move like a lot of salary to get like a really good player. Like let's say the Leafs wanted to get like a 25 year old player who's not on their entry level contract. They cost 
it cost they cost five million, for example. Um, like you can include Sandine there, and then you also have, let's say, Kerfoot. Like you're kind of losing that. That well, I guess it depends on how good the player is. The player is gonna have to be pretty good, obviously, because obviously you're giving up Sandine, plus you're giving up Kerfoot, who, like, is not a negative value asset, nor is he someone you just give up for free. I think you'd be able to get something for Kerfoot at 3.5. Yeah. It might not be a lot, but it's still a positive value contract. So that's the, the kind of the issues I have for the trade. Like, it'd have to be a pretty good player. Well, what did the Habs just get for Romanov? Like, I think that deal would have made sense for the Leafs. Was it 13, I think? I know they flipped it immediately, uh, and, so it was tough to, <laughs> tough to follow. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I know they're not going to want futures, but, like, you could kind of use futures for anything. Um, so there are teams that could really use a young defenseman. Um, so it would be kind of interesting to see uh, if they could trade him for, like, a, a fairly good first. I don't know. Um, it'll be... I'm just really curious to see what happens with him because I think it's kind of a disaster if he if he leaves for a second. I, I think he's got a lot more trade value than that. And if he goes for a second, I'm going to be pretty pretty upset. So... I don't know. We'll, well see. Do you we'll think see. he's going to be a Leaf at the, you know, come October? If you had to guess? If I was putting odds on it, I guess I would say more than 50% he's a Leaf. But, like, I don't think it's much over 50%. Um, I, I, I do think that his agent is trying to get him a decent payday here. Frankly, I think he kind of deserves it. Like, I think, I think it's smart for a rebuilding team to offer sheet him. Uh, I think it makes a ton of sense. So we'll see if it happens. Uh, obviously it would be kind of a nightmare scenario for the Leafs um, but we shall see we shall see at the 4.1 I, I'm I'm very curious to see what they would do I hope it doesn't come to that I hope we don't find out but uh, it, it would be it would be kind of a disaster <laughs> a 4.1 million dollar offer sheet um, I, I guess a couple other questions here I kind of want to get to Murray uh, again before we get out of here I, I guess any other key free agents that you're that you're interested in i don't think they're really going to be in the top guys but one name that comes to mind is pk suban for me because i think he could sign for league mm-hmm. minimum would you take him for that well i think they're gonna for league minimum i would i guess i would want to see what the other situation is like with labushkin labushkin's um, gone he's gone I, i'm pretty confident. i think they might circle back i, I don't I, I don't mind him leaving like I, I don't think he was particularly good with the leaves i think he's a decent player i like what he brings to the table um, I just don't know if I'd like. I'd, I'd rather have like more of a puck mover on my on my third pairing, and I didn't like him at all with Riley. I think he's just gonna, just gonna um, get paid. So, I think he's gonna get a big contract. How big? How big do you think it's gonna like be? Three million over three. Wow. Or term. Okay, well. So. Yeah, like a, huh. a lot of teams could use someone like him, um, like a sh- more of a defensive defenseman, especially the bad teams. And he's in a position, he hasn't made a ton of money in his career. I think he's in a position where he's going to take the biggest contract. So, uh, unless, I guess they could move Hall and maybe sign Labushkin for a bit more. But I I, I feel like he's the type that's going to get more money than you expect. That's just my guess. Yeah. I mean, if they if they move on from Hall and sign Labushkin to anything over, like, 2 or 2.5, then, yeah, we're going to be having a podcast uh, <laughs> right after that. That wouldn't be a good move. But... Um, PK would be interesting. I mean, obviously he's, he'll be a fan favorite here. I love. PK I don't know Subban. about I know that. you love. I, I, I know you like, love PK. Subban. I feel like a lot of people hate him because you know he's kind of a divisive player. He's a former Hab, 
I don't know if he'd be a fan favorite. Maybe if he's taking league minimum, like, you know, like people didn't like Spezza here forever. Uh, maybe he turns things around. What? Really... Who did like Spezza? When he was a Sen, I mean. Oh, I see, I see. Like, I thought even when he was a Leaf, no, I was like, find, no, me this, no, no. find me this fan. But maybe it could happen like that, where like he signs for, with the Leafs for league minimum every year, and everyone loves him here. I don't know. It seems like some people will never come around on him. He's a bigger personality than uh, than Spezza, but I've always been a big P.K. Subban fan. Um, so I'm hoping... Uh, I, I think he makes tons of sense for league minimum. I, I, I don't know how you say no to that. Um a couple other guys I've, I'm interested in. Uh, Kelly Arnrock, I think, is a really interesting target. Uh, he didn't really score for Calgary, so I think his value might drop a bit from where it was at the deadline. Former Dubas client, I don't think that's well known, but he's somebody who can play all three positions. He played center for Calgary. If you trade Kerfoot, I think he's a great replacement. I really like just his work ethic, his, his penalty killing. He can play power play uh, in the bumper. I just think he's a really well-rounded player who... We'll see where his price comes in. That's obviously the case, but he's interesting. And then Nemestikov is a player they had interest in uh, in the past. He's another guy that I think could kind of replace uh, Kerfoot. He could play wing or center. He can move up to the top six if needed. He could be your third-line center if needed. Um, I, I Those are the guys I'm looking at if if they do trade Kerfoot. I think uh, I've always wanted Johan Larson as the fourth-line center, so I guess we'll cross our fingers for that again. Um, but for the most part, I think I kind of want to avoid free agency. The prices are, are normally too high. You kind of got to go bargain bin shopping. Um, I think a Milano would be cool. A Danton Heinen would be cool. Um, some of the cheaper options, I'd maybe call about Evan Rodriguez, at least see what Mason Marchment costs. Um, maybe see what Jesse Pugliarvi wants for an extension, uh, if his price is, is low enough. But I wouldn't go too crazy in free agency. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at the list right now. I'm just going to kind of, you know, you, you touched upon a lot of them. Um, Colin Blackwell, will he be a Leaf next year, or do you think he's going to get paid? I think they want him I, back. I, I love Blackwell. I'd I, love to see him come back. Um, I think he'll get paid. I, I wouldn't of, go over 1.5. Yeah, I think he's going to get, like, low twos. That's my guess. But I would yeah. take him back, too. Um, I'm, 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 I think that's, like... He, I think he has to go see his market, um, and then and then we'll see what shakes up. And then if, if it's on as high as expected, I wouldn't be surprised if he's back. But I do think he's going to price himself out. Uh, I think they'll be largely uh, maybe looking for one player, like a one decent forward, and then after that, bargain bin. Uh, but it all depends if they're trading Kerfoot. Because if they don't trade Kerfoot, then he's kind of their mid-tier guy. Um, I, I hope they, they make at least one ad. And then, like, if they did trade Sandine for a good young forward, that would really help their lineup balance. Like, I love Sandine, but, like, a forward that's as good as him would, would really help them. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting offseason. Um, I want to circle back on Marie just before we get out of here. Um, I'm, I, I continuously talk about... I also want to talk about some Marlies real quick. So we'll do Murray, and then I want to talk about just a few Marlies that could be stepping up. So let's talk about Murray first, though. Sure, so... The, the more I look into Murray, the more I like him, right? Like, at first, didn't want him at all. I think I was kind of what most Leafs fans are now, where you see the, you look at the hockey DB page, you see the save percentage, and then you're just immediately out. Um, I just, I look at him and I say, okay, this guy was a number one goalie for all these years. 26, he just falls off the face of the earth, right? Like, that's not a normal decline age. It's not like he's 38 or something. 
Um, and then I don't know what happened. Like, if it was injuries, if it was vision, if it was just poor play. I don't know what caused low save percentage, if it was just bad luck. Um, but, like, he was really good in January to, fe- like, end of February. Like, really good. Um, I think if if he doesn't have that last game in Arizona, like, if he has a 914 save percentage when people check the Hockey DB page, they're probably okay with Murray at his cap hit. Probably. The game's played thing is, is scary, but, like, obviously, like, part of that was COVID, part of that was getting sent to the AHL after COVID. Um, he, like, he wasn't that hurt last year. Like, he, he could have played more games if he wasn't in Belleville slash sick, right? It's not really injury. Um, so we'll see. Like, obviously, like, they went over the medicals pretty in-depth, I, I have to imagine. Like, that's apparently what was holding up the trade for so long. Um, if they're comfortable with that, if they think he's healthy, I like him more than Mrazic. I think I like him more than Mrazic at, like, half a million more, maybe even the full million more. Um all in all, it feels like a bit of a wash. Like, it feels like they won the Mrazic trade by such a large margin, but then kind of gave a lot of it back in value by acquiring Murray at a little bit too much money. But I think Dubis is just saying, like, would you rather... Like, he obviously likes Matt Murray, and then it's like, would you rather have a goalie you like for a little bit too much, or would you rather not have a goalie you like? I think that's an obvious question uh, for him. I think it definitely explains what they think of Matt Murray, but... I, I do think there's a decent chance that he's a good, uh, like, low-end starter. Let's put it that way. Um, I know, like, if the Leafs would have signed... It's it's very similar to Frederick Anderson deal from last uh, from last offseason, where he's kind of coming off an injured year where he's under 900 save percentage. And he got, he got a two-year deal at about 4.5. Um, Murray was right around there, like, after retention. I think it's, like, 4.7, but with two picks. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if he kind of pulled the Anderson and had the bounce back year, especially since he was so good at like his recent stretch of play is really strong, right? In, in 2022. Um, I, I was really hoping, I like the idea of Murray. I was just really hoping they'd get more like in terms of picks or retention. Um, but we'll see, right? Like I hope they use those picks to get someone who's really cheap that helps the cap situation. Uh, it's almost like bring the Murray cap hit down in a way because you're getting retention on someone else with those picks. Um, but it is pretty low risk. Uh, I just think the risk is that he's ineffective and you don't have another goalie. So let's wait and see to see what second goalie they get. I give this trade like a C minus or a D um, because I thought they'd get a little bit more. I think the Leafs were kind of put in a desperate situation. Um, but we'll see. I, I don't. I don't think it's as bad as people think. I think we're gonna give it a chance and, and see how he plays. Obviously, like goalies are kind of nuts year to year. Um, I could see this being a home run trade. I really could. Like he could be a, a nine twenty save percentage next year, uh, or I could see this being a disaster. But the disaster side, at least you can probably get out of it either at the deadline and a Richie type trade, um, or at the at the uh, next off season. Like you have these picks that you can use to get out of it. We'll see. We'll see. I think it's a, a decently high reward, fairly low risk trade, but you do need to make sure that you have a second goalie ready that can play, and you do have to make sure, like, it is a bit of an opportunity cost because of that high cap hit. So that's where I'm at. I think I don't, lo- don't love the trade, but I guess higher on it than most. Let's put it that way. 
Yeah, and and let's be real here. Like this is going to be something that is going to be a talking point. Forget about year to year. This is going to be something week to week that we're going to be talking about. Goaltending is so unpredictable. Even you know from a week to a week, Murray's going to have a bad game, and we're going to be talking about or we're going to be seeing kind of takes that this was a complete disaster, and then he's going to have you know two or three months of really good hockey, uh, and it's going to be talked about like it's a savior. So I think that's just the way goaltending goes. Um, Talking of saving money in different places, this is why I wanted to talk about the Marlies and just the system in general really quickly. The Leafs have a, a ton of players that are probably ready to at least compete for an NHL job this year. Like Nick Robertson, obviously, I think at this point he's penciled into a spot um, into the bottom six or at the 13th forward right now. We'll see how he does in terms of health. Uh, Joey Anderson had a really good season with the Marlies this past year in terms of goal scoring. He can definitely allow the Leafs to I think he's an NHL player right now it just depends on if he's better than the other options um, and I think you can also put him in a third line checking role Alex Steves had a really good season last year we saw him briefly last year with the Leafs um, but another player that they kind of just got in the rough from the NCAA Nick Abrazisi I know some people were calling him Nick Abrazisi because in his games from uh, with the Leafs, he wasn't that good. But still some promise there. Still very, very young. And of course, the Everything Leafs podcast. One of their one of our favorites, Pontus Holmberg. Uh, a guy who's made a lot of noise. Who could potentially play, um, compete for a spot next year as well. Former 7th round draft pick. So I think the Leafs have like some options that could potentially you know, make it into the team like how many of those players do you think will play even more than let's say 10 to 15 games with the Leafs next year so it was a list Holmberg Robertson Steves Anderson and Abrazisi wow I don't love Anderson and Abrazisi I guess one will probably play more than 10 games Uh, I think Robertson will be a regular next year um, whether it's at the start of the season or, or pretty soon into it Steves could be a regular but you know we'll see how the roster shakes out um I'm hoping they don't go Clifford Simmons. Like, you only need one of those guys, in my opinion. <laughs> I think we kind of saw that in the playoffs. So, um, I guess it kind of depends on what way they want to go. Um, I guess they're all options. I don't know if anyone's going to really provide much value other than Robertson. But we'll wait and see on Holmberg. I think Steve ha- Steve's has some upside. Uh, he hasn't really played that much in the AHL yet. Uh, still relatively new to the pro level. So, um, let's we'll wait and see. I don't know if there's any, like, amazing names other than Robertson to be honest but I'm, I'm kind of curious yeah. to see uh where they end up and and who they acquire on Wednesday here I think they're they asked Dubis pretty much last week and I, I don't really want to put too much into this but he did say that it's not going to be a wide open door for these Marlies to make the team they're going to be signing guys like just like they do every year they're going to be signing like guys like like Travis Boyd and and Michael Amadio and those types of guys uh, this upcoming week. So, like, I think there'll be a lot of competition for that bottom six. But the the point is when everything is kind of done and the dust settles, they need scoring from that bottom six this year because they really missed that this past year. Yeah, yeah. So should be an interesting few days. Uh, I I think the first days of the Matt Murray era. I pray he gets off to a good start because like if it's if it's even like. I don't care if he sucks and people, like, if the first five games, if he's terrible and people get on, I'm fine. But, like, I hope it's not one of those, like, stretches of games where it's just, like, 
bad bounce after bad bounce and like deflection goals and screens and you know none of the goals are on him but he gives up five and everyone's losing it uh i i feel like the first t- 10 games the maria is going to be unbearable if he gets off to a bad start um he's gonna have the shortest <laughs> i don't know like he's got one period if he has a bad first period people are gonna be on him immediately he's got the shortest lease possible for the least fan base but uh, it's gonna be an interesting season it's gonna be an interesting off season will we be we'll, we'll be back later this week to discuss the lease off season i'm sure we're gonna have plenty to talk about thanks everyone for listening and we'll, we'll see everyone soon